welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode 288. I'm your new host, Joshua Housem, and I'm joined by Nick Dyka. Nick, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange to hear you introduce the podcast, Josh. I think this is the first one, I think, since... Uh, second one, sorry. Since... Yeah, I did the one weird solo pod. That was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not love doing the... that, but we had to talk about the Otani yeah. mess. Just had to. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to discuss you know, the... The basically nothing that has happened in the last month and a bit, <laughs> or a month or so, and then we'll you know we will get into the pickups of Isaiah Kinderfleffa, Kevin Kiermaier, and Yariel Rodriguez because they have happened since the last episode. And Ross Atkins did a press conference afterwards, which didn't exactly calm the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get into what the heck happens now. So Nick, uh, you've been enjoying following the baseball transactions for the last month. <laughs> I know there has not been a lot to uh, to get excited about or or look forward to. I guess you know the the silver lining is there is still a lot of players on the market. It's not just the Jays who have been kind of slow to act this year. So you know Chapman's still out there, Bellinger is still out there at at kind of like the t- the top of the market. Um, although we're seeing some of the DH outfield types that the Jays had kind of been rumored to be in on fall off the board. Jock Peterson signed last week with the Diamondbacks, and uh, um, who else came off the board there? Uh, Reese Hoskins signed with the Hoskins. Brewers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in general, it's been really slow. Uh, you know, there there's been a couple big moves recently. Josh Hader signed with the Astros, but really, I mean, Blake Snell is still a free agent. Jordan Montgomery is still a free agent. As you said, yeah. Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman still free agents. Yeah. And- are you are you a proponent, Josh, of this idea? I heard somebody kicking it around that baseball free agency should be more like NHL and NBA free agency where it all happens in like the span of a couple days at the beginning of the offseason. Well, I think that there's a happy medium between those two things because that, yeah. no, I, do, I don't want, okay, the offseason's over by November 30th and we got to wait <laughs> until mid-February yeah. for anything to happen. Um, it was interesting what we saw with the lockout season where a lot of stuff happened before December 2nd, and then when they came right. out of that, a lot of stuff happened really fast. That So yeah. from a fan perspective, the idea of some sort of transaction freeze, not deadline, but you know, say in the middle of – from mid-December to mid-January, you can't sign a free agent. You can only trade or something like that, which forces people, mm-hmm. if they want to get something done, get it done sooner – the downside to any kind of freezes or deadlines is it does, from a business standpoint, it puts – it's usually bad for the players. Yeah. So from a fan, I love it. But from a, you know, human being standpoint, I, I don't love it. Right. Yeah, that that does make sense. And I'm sure the players would probably be opposed to anything that kind of curtails their ability to sign when they want uh, throughout the offseason too. That's probably – not helpful to the to their leverage yeah it, it it wouldn't be but you know this is sort of an outlier i mean we haven't seen we've seen some slow free agencies mm-hmm. like the year that the jay signed springer he didn't sign until january 19th yep that's that's true do, do you think this has to do with just like kind of the the free agents at the top of the market because bellinger and and chapman on the position player side and even like stella montgomery on on the pitching side like they are free agents with with flaws you know they're not 
they're not a Juan Soto or a Shohei Otani. Like they're they're players that are a little harder to project moving forward, and you're not quite as sure what you're going to get. And and I'd say same with with Snell and and Montgomery too. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that that concept that it is. It's it, there is no slam dunk. I want. I, I'm willing to give this guy 250 million dollar contract. You know, yeah. despite the fact that it sounds like Boras was positioning Bellinger as Corey Seager or Bryce Harper, <laughs> he's not. Um, no. I think it's a combination of that for sure. I think that you know these guys want to get paid as super duper stars, and they might not be. And then there's all mm-hmm. the uncertainty that's been going on with uh, Diamond Sports and Bally, with these teams yeah. not knowing what they're going to be getting from their TV deals. Um, yeah. You know, and there's been some movement there with Amazon coming into the mix and uh, and buying part of the the system, but that's got to go through the bankruptcy courts. That's I mean, that's not going to be settled for a while. And the, and Diamond only had streaming rights to five of the teams, not so local broadcast rights are different from streaming rights. So even that's not going to clear up everything, right? So, so we've ended up with this freeze. But the funny thing is, you know, those two guys you just mentioned, Peterson and Hoskins, they both got. Deals that were pretty much right where we people would have predicted them at the beginning of the offseason. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, thinking about the the bankruptcies in the regional sports networks, you kind of hope that this was a time that Toronto could be opportunistic because they are one of the teams that does have like a stable broadcasting deal and everything with Rogers. So, you know, if the times to strike. Maybe it is now because. There's 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 other teams that are kind of in a in a weaker position. I know like people have talked about the Padres maybe selling, and we'll we'll get to some potential like trades later on. But this might be a time where Toronto can you know use its stability, its financial stability to its advantage. Yeah, so I want to circle back to that because that's a really interesting conversation. That I think I want to talk about who they got and what they got them for because I think it really ties into what you just said. So let's let's dive into that. The first move that Jay's sure. made of the offseason was bringing back Kevin Kiermeyer for one year, $10.5 million. What did you think about that move, Nick? I guess I kind of thought that – I don't think Kiermeyer is a bad player by any means. You know, he had a great year in Toronto last year. But it seems like it kind of handcuffed the rest of the offseason because once you have Kiermeyer back, there's now three starting outfielders between him, Varsho, and Springer – and so your ability to kind of draw in someone might be limited if there's only DH at bats available. Um, and I know he's a great defensive player. And I, I did want to ask you about this, Josh. Like, defense is obviously important, but I feel like your ability to impact the game on defense is a little more limited than your ability to impact the game in offense, in the sense that if you're hitting, you know you're coming up three or four times a game whereas to have elite defense come through you need you know a ball to be hit at a specific angle at a specific trajectory and i just i just worry they're putting too much value on defense because one their offense wasn't very good last year and and two it just seems like there's not as much opportunity to have like great defense shine through the way like a good hitter can showcase their skills. Yeah, I mean, so the general concept is 100% true. Like, if you look at Mookie Betts last year, was 60 runs above average on offense and 1.6 below on defense. Right. I mean, 
60, I mean, Kevin Kiermaier led baseball with, I think it was 23 defensive runs saved, right? That's leading mm-hmm. the entire sport. And it was a third, well, yeah. a little more than a third of what Mookie Betts generated on offense. I mean, obviously, that's Mookie Betts, fantastic player, right? Yeah. So I do think there's an element that you can create more impact on offense than defense. That said, only 22 players in- had more offensive runs created. This is the fan grab statistic, so this is mm-hmm. take with a grain of salt, but then 23. So elite defense in the outfield especially, I think, can make a bigger impact because, you know, if, if you have a, for example, a third base, right? Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. great defensive third baseman. But say Davis Schneider's there. If he misses a ball, it's a single. Yeah. If Kevin Kiermaier or Dalton Varsho is playing center field and doesn't catch a fly ball in the gap, it's a triple. Right. So mm-hmm. so, so the, you know, the defensive value is it's more important in the outfield to me. This is, you know, this is my opinion, yeah. not speaking fact, you know, as this is fact. But to me, the issue, though, is that they had an elite defensive center fielder already. Yeah. And I don't get, why are you trading for Dalton Varsho if the plan is to play him in left field for two years? I, I just don't understand yeah. that. I mean, his bat, even if he's hitting like he did in Arizona, he's not, his bat doesn't play in left field. Yeah. And, and I know I mentioned this, but like it seems like with Kiermaier signed, it's, it was it was going to be harder to attract other free agents that spend some time in the outfield because yeah. there's not a direct path to at bats there either. Well, and it um, sounds like that was actually an issue specifically with Jock Peterson when he signed with Arizona. He said he wanted to prove he wasn't just a DH. Right. Yeah. Now I don't know if you'd want Jock Peterson to play the outfield yeah. anymore, but it wouldn't even let you get the chance to do it and. Especially because he also hits left, like those two guys. Yeah. Um, so Kiermaier, when he signed, he said he wasn't necessarily promised a full-time role. Well, he didn't have a full-time role last year. I still assume he's going to get around 440 plate appearances and be the everyday center fielder and mm-hmm. sit against some lefties. But it's just, I didn't really understand when the left field market had some players, you know, some former Blue Jays, there was Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez, in fact, Yeah, that were more offensively inclined but as soon as Kiermaier comes back, you have to move Varsho back there. Now you have lower offensive ceiling at two spots again. So it was a little odd to me. I like <laughs> like you. I like Kiermaier in a vacuum. I didn't love the roster fit. Right. And I feel like um, lower offensive ceiling is a great transition into IKF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was – so Ben Nicholson Smith kept bringing him up as a guy the Jays were talking about, and I just didn't get it. I just like this mm-hmm. just can't be real. There's no way. I mean, they have they have IKF at home and Ernie Clement and and <laughs> Santiago Espinal. But here he is, two years, fifteen million. <laughs> right? Is, yeah. Is he the starter? Like, is this? I mean, I mean, I know it's hard to it's hard to judge an offseason halfway through, but. It's it seems strange that they'd give him that much money and that much term to not start him. It does seem strange that they would do that. Um he's been a starter really twice in his career. Mm-hmm. 2021-2022 with the Rangers he was the starting shortstop and the Yankees he was the starting shortstop. And he was a well below average hitter both years and a well above well above average defender. I think well, you can live with that if you are the Yankees and he is your shortstop. Right. 
I don't think it makes sense to let a guy who's going to, on a good year, have a 650 OPS be a starting third baseman. No. And, you know, to contextualize this a little bit, he has had good defensive metrics at third base. Very he also good. has very, very good at third. But he hasn't played much third base in his career either, right? Like, I think he's he's like under like 200 games or something. Yeah, 1,200 career innings, 133 starts at that position. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, he's plus 19 a, defensive runs saved in those 133 games, but it is a small yeah. sample, especially for yeah. defensive stats. Mm-hmm. And if you if you want to hear a surprising stat, I remember I looked this up when they got him. For his career, Santiago Espinal is worth over a win more than IKF, even though IKF has played two and a half more seasons in the big leagues. And also was playing catcher and shortstop. Which are, which are, right, which are easier to accumulate yeah. more at. Yeah. yeah. Now, from the defensive side, his shortstop, his third base numbers are, you know, smaller sample, but he's been a really good shortstop as well. So the idea that he right. could transition to third is not exactly a crazy thought because he has the mm-hmm. arm strength. Right. But if you're looking at, like you said, in a good year, a 650 OPS, and like right now the bottom third of the Jays lineup is pretty uncompetitive i would i would say for for a playoff team and and again that's with the caveat that things can change etc cetera, etc cetera. but right now you know varsho kk and ikf is not a a strong bottom three especially considering you're hoping for so much uh positive regression in kind of the the upper two-thirds of the lineup too at the and same also time, the, that the Davis Schneider Kevin Biggio combo actually hits, uh, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. No, look, we, we we are assuming that there's going to be at least one more move to happen. But mm-hmm. well, let's talk about Euro Rodriguez, and then then we're, I want to talk about these moves as a whole and where where it leads the Blue Jays into that budget context that you brought up earlier. So the Jews, the Jays also signed Yariel Rodriguez, the Cuban defector who had pitched in Japan in the World Baseball Classic. Um, you know, he was, I, get, I think it was four years, 38 million or 40 million. Um, so he throws hard four years, 32 million. Sorry about that. Okay. So four years, 32 million dollars, which is, you know, a reasonable amount. Um, he's hasn't pitched in a year and he's rotation depth, right? He's, you know, he's a guy who's probably, he might start in triple A to just to build back up innings, but he looked really good in the world baseball classic. He's got a really good slider, and uh, his fastball is basically a natural cutter, so Stuff Plus hates it because it thinks it's just a, you know, a mm. mediocre fastball, but it actually plays very differently because it's a cutter. Okay, cool. Yeah, so he's a really interesting guy, but also he's a depth starter, right? Yeah. I mean, it in terms of like numbers, it looks a lot like what they signed uh, Guriel for, right? I guess Gurriel was more years. He was you, more yeah, than... No, Gurriel was yeah. three years, 45 million. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I so, feel like it's not really moving the needle in any yeah. kind of like positive direction. Yeah, I don't think it is either. I think they did absolutely need to address the depth in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just no way they could trust, you know, especially given what what's going on with Manoa. Uh, yeah. You know, they had to. So, but here's the thing that, so before the season ended, or right, sorry, right after the season ended, when Shapiro finally spoke to the media, he said that the, 
payroll would probably be in the same range as this year. Well, the moves that they have made are giving $10.5 million for over, so $21 million over two years, to a fourth setup man in Chad Green, $10.5 million to a second center fielder in Kevin Kiermaier, $7.5 million a year, 15 total, to another guy who's a utility good defender with no bat, and then $8 million a year to a swingman fifth or sixth starter. <clears throat> I cannot understand any world where what Shapiro said is true mm-hmm. and those moves happen. Yeah. Honestly, when you when you add up that money for those players, my kind of instinct is to be like, take a chance and pay one guy like Cody Bellinger $25 million a year or, you know, something in that ballpark. Because like, I think you might get more impact than yeah, than what they got for their money. And, and I, I like Chad Green. I like Kevin Kiermaier. I don't like. Yeah. So I kind of flip out. I like Leo Rodriguez. I think they're all useful players to have. But if they actually are close to a some level of budget, mm-hmm. those moves make no sense. Right. So the hope is probably that that's not true, and they're willing to. Willing to go over? Um, yeah, they, they're they're quite close to the section second luxury tax. Are they right now? No, right now they've just cleared the first one. They're at about two hundred thirty eight okay. million projected. Yeah, it's you can't guess it, get it exactly, but projected luxury tax or see or competitive balance tax number. Last year they were about two forty seven at by the end of the year. Right. <clears throat> like if if that were the case, that would mean they don't even have enough money to sign a DH. Right. Yeah. Uh, and. That just would not make sense, right? There's no world where no. that roster building makes sense. So I'm just going to assume that that's not the case. They're, I mean, they're going to get so much more money next year with these luxury, bo- luxury, these new lounge seats. That they're all sold out, completely sold out. Mm-hmm. That's a ton of additional <laughs> revenue. And they've raised the ticket prices everywhere else in the lower level. So even the seats that aren't those are more expensive than they were last year. So yeah. I'm I'm hoping that that was just him playing ball playing you know playing ball with the market right cuz he's done it before mm-hmm. two year after 2021 he said he didn't see the Jays approaching approach going to the luxury tax anytime soon he's like maybe they get close to it well 2 years later the luxury tax is up 40 million dollars or something <laughs> and they blew past it yeah so I don't know how much we want to take him at his word. And then Ross Atkins also spoke to the media. Did you happen to see his press conference? No, no. Oh, oh well, I know, I know. He said he likes likes what they have. I did hear that clip. Yeah, and this is where he's where someone asked him if they thought they would get three more bats, mm-hmm. and he said probably not three closer to one. <laughs> <laughs> Which was it? What does Solomon. That mean? The Kings with the cut cut the bats in half now like what's close, <laughs> closer to one it yeah. was a, it was very funny language because yeah two is closer to one than three <laughs> but is. two is not closer to three than one <laughs> yeah yeah it really does feel to me like they need two because they're they're losing belt they're losing chapman presumably and belt was their best hitter i think wasn't he by like weighted runs created plus last year 
Um, oh, yeah. If, yeah. Like, they need two players. Like, IKF cannot, you know, he's he's a, a net negative offensively. So if you. He he's he basically replaces Whit Merrifield. I mean, right. if you're being yeah. generous with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, he's a one-and-a-half-win player. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what Whit Merrifield was. Right. And you know, Merrifield got a ton of plate appearances. He got over 500 plate appearances. And, yeah, that's not really mm-hmm. what we want Isaiah Kiner-Falefa <laughs> yeah. getting. No. So, um, they need know, two the, hitters, I think. I, I, I think they need at least two hitters, to be honest. Because so last year, by this is Fangraph uh, wins above replacement – Chapman was three and a half. Belt was two point three. Yeah. So that's two guys who were really strong contributors to their twenty twenty three team. And actually, if you go by Baseball Reference, wins above replacement. Chapman was about four. So to me, first off, I don't think they're necessarily out on Chapman. I think because you know mm-hmm. Scott Mitchell was reporting they offered him six years, one hundred twenty million before last season. He turned it down. Oof. Do you think he's going to – I feel like he's not going to get that now. Yeah, I might have been including last year, so he, so it would be the equivalent of five years, $105 million basically. Right. I could see him getting that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need a DH. So if they get a DH who can hit against both sides of the plate instead of having to have a platoon bat – because, you know, Brennan Belt, as good as he was, he only had 404 plate appearances. Right. Because he was yeah. useless against lefties. So they were, if they were to go and get – J.D. Martinez or Jorge Soler, both of whom can hit right-handed pitching and both destroy left-handed pitching. That would at least be an upgrade in a level event. They wouldn't need another roster spot to fill in the platoon partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think an upgrade needs to happen on the infield. Absolutely. That's the other one. You You need to get a third baseman or a second baseman. I don't care which one. So yeah. on that note, should we move on to who got traded today and some potential other other trade targets? Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> the guy I wanted, and I think I said this previously at some point, I wanted the Jays to trade for Jorge Polanco. He's a switch hitter. He plays second base. He's a Seattle Mariner now. <laughs> <laughs> um, they gave up quite a bit for him, too. They did. Um, you know, they gave up. A viable reliever in Justin Topa. They gave up Anthony Disclafani, who is a you know a, a starting pitcher who is a, a useful one for for a team that lost a couple starters. In they lost Maeda and Gray, and then a couple of good prospects. <clears throat> so it would have cost a lot to get him, but I think that's a cost that'd have been okay with the Jays paying. Interesting. I'm not sure what exactly the equivalent is. Like, so if, so some people have Gonzalez, the the better prospect that was traded, as the guy that, like, you know, as a guy that's in the 80 to 100 range in the top prospect list. Well, that's Arelvis Martinez. So I don't know if I'd be okay with say, Mitch White, or or, or Bowden Francis, whichever one you want to call it, um, Eric Swanson. Orelvis Martinez and another prospect. I, I think that would be a little much. Mm-hmm. But and if it's Addison Barger hmm. instead of Orelvis, I think I'd be okay with that. See, this is this is why the Jays spending has been confusing to me this winter. Because because like you said, they've spent 
they've spent some money. They've spent a decent amount of money, and it seems like the most direct path forward would have been to get somebody, you know, who you don't have to give up for four players from your organization to get. I'm not the hugest fan of Jimer Candelario, but you know his his deal isn't particularly prohibitive. You know, any of the the outfielders or the Reese Hoskins, those deals aren't prohibitive. Like it would have to me, it seems like the the safer and more effective path forward would would have been for the Jays to kind of spend their money to improve the offense as opposed to having to now look at the trade market to get someone like, you know, it now looks like Jonathan India or something like that. And I think India is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you're a little hard on him. He's still young. He's only played a couple years, and he's been hurt. Well, that doesn't. That's not a positive, <laughs> for sure. You know, he he hit as a rookie. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and well, actually, okay, terrible is the wrong word. I think he's mediocre. How's mm-hmm. that? Yeah, because he's not a good defender. He's no. quite bad. Oh, well, he's been playing second base. He's natural. He came up as a third baseman. He's been yeah. really bad at second base. Like, well, for the play- record, Polanco is bad defensively too. Not Jonathan India bad. No. Oh. John, John. So by defensive run saved, Jonathan India in 338 games is minus 21. Hmm. Mm. At second base, mm-hmm. and, and that and that's he was he was neutral in 148 games as a rookie. In the 190 since, that's where all the minus 21 comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So not so, trending great. No, it's not. Um Luis Arise came up, another guy who's not a great defender. Yeah. Uh, he was playing first a lot for the Marlins this year too. Like he actually played mostly second. He played a lot of first for the Twins. I, oh, I, okay. I, I thought yeah, I thought the same thing as you did, because someone said that to me and I looked it up, and it actually turns out that Luis Arise played like 140 games at second base, 135 games at second base. Oh, right, right, because they moved um Jazz Chisholm off second for him. Yeah, into center field. Yeah. But yeah, the trade market doesn't seem like it has a lot on it, to be honest. Um, you know, Yohan Moncada, if the White Sox paid down his deal, I'd be interested in. But none of these guys really moves the needle. No, no. So it goes back to well, to me, it just means they should just sign Matt Chapman. Are you are you more comfortable with them signing Chapman than say someone like Bellinger? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that I say yes is because if you sign Chapman, you can also sign J.D. Martinez or Jorge Soler. If you sign Bellinger, right. he takes up that DH spot well, or someone else moves into it, mm-hmm. but they still don't have an infielder. Right, yeah. Um, you know, I, I would be okay with... At this point, I'd even be okay if they signed Gio Urshela. Oof. No, right? oh, That's man. where I am, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or... Tim Anderson, at least with Tim Anderson, there's some upside potential. Well, and there's Rochella yeah. as well, actually. Both of them have hit a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anderson but, would be interesting because he's kind of the the Jays special where you get him off a off a down year. And, you know, admittedly, his year is much more down than like Marcus Simeon's down year or anything. But um, or, you know, or Robbie Ray's down year. But. Yeah. And both of those were the COVID year, right? So mm-hmm. they, you could really throw them out. Yeah. No, Anderson was awful last year, about as bad as you could be. But the year before that, he hit 301. He doesn't have he didn't hit for a lot of power, but it was still a 109 OPS plus. Right. 
Yeah. And moving him to second where his defense plays a little better. He's not a great shortstop. He's not a mm-hmm. bad one, but also would give you that backup for Bo. Well, I guess that's Isaiah kind of for left now, but yeah, I would be fine with something like that. And then if those guys fail, you can turn to a Robles Martinez or Damiano Palmagiani or, or, or Schneider or Biggio or whatever. I just don't yeah. want those guys to be plan a. Yeah. There's just so much with, with Biggio and Schneider, there's a ton of risk. And then with IKF, I think you just know it's like it's you said, gonna be good. you're going to yeah. get a win. That's all compiled on defense and he's going to be kind of a bad hitter. Yeah, defense and yeah. base running. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually, and he, we've slowed, heard that. He, he slowed up last year, too. Yeah, Which is strange, because with the rule changes, people seem to be, like, running more. Um, but, yeah. Well, he just actually got slower, like, you know, by sprint speed metrics. He still stole 14 bases. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so, anyway. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, say the, the crazy trade I told you about last time we, we hung out, Josh. But... I think the Jays should try to just offer to take Chris Bryant, make the Rockies pay a bunch of the money. We have a question about that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm not the <laughs> yes, only one. It. There you go. <laughs> Hold that thought. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll get to that. Um, so actually, that's a, that's a good that's a good time to break. We'll we'll uh, we'll be right back with your questions, including the one that Greg that Nick just teased. <laughs> All right, and we're back after that short break. And uh, now let's let's go to your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right, so this is the one that, that, you, that you teased <laughs> before we, we broke. Unknowingly. This is from, yeah, this is from, well, yeah, of course. This is from Adge at Adrian Chrysostim. If you could trade for Chris Bryant and play him at third base, would you? <laughs> so, I think Greg, it's, I think Nick, it's worth, I keep calling you Greg. I'm so used to this. Wow, I'll, I'll get yeah. over that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I think it's worth the risk if you can. Again, if you can get the Rockies to pay for some of the contract, I think it's worth the risk because you just look around and the impact available on either free agency or. Um, via trade like in other places doesn't seem to be there uh you know bryant isn't young and he's been really hurt the last couple years but he had a pretty a pretty solid free agent walk year in 2021 you know he was his weighted runs created plus was 124 Um, and he was good in 22 as well right but only in short in in 42 games games, yeah. yeah 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 um so i i think in terms of the production, if if he's healthy, I think he's going to be a better hitter than a lot of what's available. But, you know, who knows if the Rockies are willing to do that or, or if he's willing to do it or anything like that. Josh, so, how bad an idea is it? Um, <laughs> well, he's going to be 32. And he's got five more years on the deal. So the, to me, the Rockies would have to pay down a lot of it for it to make any sense 
from a risk mm-hmm. standpoint. He's also moving to first base for the Rockies. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is really funny. Well, it's because they got Nolan Jones and you know, um, and then Ryan McMahon's the third baseman. Mm-hmm. But they announced today that he's going to be their first baseman. So if you were to ask me if the Rockies would be willing to do something, I think so, because <laughs> why would you want him at first base? Um, yeah. He wasn't a bad defensive third baseman, I don't think, was he? No, he was fine. He yeah. was he, he um, But they have McMahon there, who's elite. Really good. Um, so I think it's an interesting concept, again, depending on who or how much the Rockies pay down because I would love to have some upside on the roster. Yeah. We, it it feels almost necessary at this point. Like if they want to compete. Yeah. All right. Next question from Matt Thomas, Thomas, Matt C at Thomas, Matt C. So this is picking backing on a tweet from mine of me of mine from earlier. Why do you think that the front office seems to neglect one part of the roster every year in 2021? Relief pitching, 22, starting pitching depth, 2023, right-handed bat. It seems to address most of the needs, but there's always something that's left. Too high on internals, failure of foresight, other? Yeah. I'm going to guess other and that there's like either like market dynamics that the public's not privy to or, um, you know, negotiations gone bad or or something like that. Um that's that's my guess. I I can't imagine a major league team is you know not has has less foresight than someone like me. So so I'd strike that one. And then on internals, I don't know. That seems to be for a front office that's pretty risk averse. Being that high on their kind of like prospects seems pretty risky. But I don't know. Or that could just be internal players on the active roster, like seems to be the case right now. <laughs> oh, like they're um, too high on like like a bounce back from Vlad or something like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, not the rookies. The weird thing about it, though. So this was a tweet I sent. So he's <laughs> that he's piggybacking off of. In 2021, it was relief pitcher depth. There's no way you shouldn't be able to sign relievers. Mm-hmm. 2022 starting depth that's harder because if you don't if you can't promise the guy a spot in the rotation they might go somewhere where they're guaranteed innings. Right. That one is justifiable. Last year though, not getting a right-handed bat. Yeah. Just for the bench when you have when you have Varsho Belt and Kiermaier <laughs> on the roster. Yeah. So, I don't get it. Um and it was, I don't know. Even this year it seems like the things the Jays needed, right? With because they had the DH spot open, because they had good defensive outfielders and oh, I guess Springer's more average than good at this point, but like they needed corner outfielders and and like a, a DH first base type. And there was there has been a lot of those players on the market. You know, and some of them still are, right? JDM still out there, Solaire, Justin Turner. Yeah. So Well that that, that leads into another question from Age or Edge. I'm concerned that even if we sign Soler, or, or sh- is it, well, he reworded it? Basically, it's like, sh- is it okay that I'm concerned that even if we sign Soler, any positive regression from our regulars is wiped out by potentially giving IKF 500 plate appearances? <laughs> yeah. I think so. And the answer is yes, right? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. And the other thing about the regression, and I'm curious to know your take on this, Josh, but 
everyone's talking about positive regression from the hitters. I think there's going to be some negative regression on the pitching side, right? Like, and the health side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so I think like the idea that things are just going to regress and be fine maybe is an incomplete picture of what's what we should expect to change this year. And so yeah, yeah. They, now obviously there could be some positive regression from Manoa as well, mm-hmm. on the pitching side, but. And well, Kevin Kiermaier had one of the healthiest seasons of his career last year. George Springer played 154 games. Yeah. And even Kiermaier, like, offensively, wasn't it one of his better seasons? Best season since 2017. Right. So. So there's a lot of risk in this lineup just from the guys that are already here. Do I expect Vlad to be better? Yeah. Do I expect Kirk to be better? Yeah. Do I expect Springer to be better? Yeah. <laughs> For our show, too. I expect them all to be better. But how much better? That I don't know. Springer is older. He's going to be 34 this year. You know, Vlad, I, I'm confident, will be better than he was last year by at least a decent margin. Same with Kirk. But Varsho, like, how good is Varsho going to be? He doesn't have a long tracker, track record of, like, good offensive performance. He has a year and a half. Yeah. And good numbers in the minors, but mm. that's the minors. So this is why, to me and to you, they need two players, right? Yeah. If they if, if they get Soler or Martinez and Chapman, mm-hmm. it's basically running it back, just chaining belt out for the the guy who doesn't need a platoon DH. <laughs> yeah. And flipping Kiermaier or Merrifield for Connor Falefa, which whatever, that's neutral. But running it back and expecting some positive regression from the offense, which, uh, fair enough. Like, I, I will accept that outcome. I don't think it's a good one, but I'll accept it, mm-hmm. especially if they get another right-handed batter to pinch hit for Kiermaier or Varsho sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the minimum that they need to do. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, there's even risk in, in some of those players, right? Like, J.D. Martinez is going to be, what, 36? Seven this year, thirty six. I, I I'm not quite sure. He's in his like mid to late thirties at this point. Same with Justin Turner. Solaire has been a very up and down offensive performer over you know his. Yeah, career. they're they're all flawed, right? Yeah. I mean, every literally everybody on the market's flawed, as you said at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? even Cody Bellinger is flawed. <laughs> right. Yeah. The only guys that weren't flawed were Shohei Otani and Juan Soto. Yeah, <laughs> and they they're gone. Um, and the last question, because Andy, Andy MC, we answered yours in the earlier part, so we're not going to read that one. Last one from Brendan Panikar. Help me get excited for baseball because it's not happening for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my, my interpretation is there's a trade we don't know about that. Something comes kind of out of left field. It's, you know, I know what was it two years ago at this time? It was like almost Everybody knew the Jays needed a third baseman. They were probably going to trade for Chapman. My hope is something something happens that's exciting because we don't see it coming. It's not like the Chapman trade. It's I don't know who it is or or what it's like Josh Donaldson, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Like yeah. <laughs> speaking of Oakland third baseman. Yeah. I I have some for some reason. And I don't know if I just like heard someone else talking about it on podcast, but Anders Jimenez, the, the Cleveland second baseman, second baseman, yeah, makes makes me wonder if 
if they want to pay him a hundred million dollars, Cleveland doesn't seem like they they want to do that. And I believe they're one of the teams that is tied up in the RSN he, issues. He, he signed a contract extension. He did, yeah. But but they yeah. they're in the the regional sports network yes, issues. They are. So they're in that mess. If they have to get out of it, or or maybe San Diego. A name a name that is coming up is um, Hassan Kim. Kim. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my my hope to get excited is they're they're cooking something big. We just don't know about it. Yeah, I think that's the answer because I just don't think these guys are idiots. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's what it comes down to. Like it's like we said, like we don't think they'd spend the money this way if they that's all they had to spend. Right. Because I don't think they're dumb. They've put together rosters that have averaged over ninety wins over the last three years. Yeah, that's a that's a good point too. Like they. They must know. They have to. They yeah. have to know that there's something out there they can do that will make a significant impact on this roster. Right. You don't go out and go hard after Shohei Otani and then say, oh, well, we didn't get him. Okay, here's Isaiah Kainfleffer yeah. and Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah. You know, that, that's just not how you do things. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one, the one surprising name that kind of has been rumored a little bit is apparently they've been kind of on the periphery of Blake Snell. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that would open up a lot of trade opportunities from the pitching side. It would. Just uh, please no Dylan Carlson. Please no Dylan Carlson. He's okay. Please no Dylan Carlson. He's okay. It's just, it's again, it's just like not going to move the needle. It's not going to be exciting or anything like that. They need, they need infielders anyway, but, but yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that's it for the questions. Uh, it's been, a, you know, <laughs> considering I haven't done an episode since mid mid December. Well, we go. I guess we talked for like forty five minutes or so. But yeah, there's not a lot been happening. No. So, do you have a final thought for us, Nick? So I can say your name correctly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think um, you know I'm just kind of getting getting excited for spring training fantasy drafts i have been thinking about how at this time last year the world baseball classic was coming up and i'm gonna miss it i thought it was a really great and exciting and entertaining tournament and you know made baseball important a month before it usually is so my final thought is gonna be let's try to let's try to get the wbc back like every every two years or something like that um just just in favor yeah, just just for the fan experience. I'm down. I love yeah. that idea. Uh, what's yours, Josh? Yeah, it's just basically that because a few significant things have happened in the last few days, so Hoskins, Peterson, Polanco move, maybe things are starting to finally open, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the trade market was really slow. But that's a significant piece that's been out there waiting for someone to snatch them up the entire offseason. So I'm hopeful that... By this time next week, we'll be able to say, oh, the Jays did this or that, whether we say that on this podcast or just in general. <laughs> it's yeah. another question, but <laughs> hopefully, I, I am actually hopeful, not just saying this for the for the sake of saying it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, me, me too. Well, I mean, like you said, they're too smart. They're going to do something. This is not the team they're going into opening. But, but I meant like this week that that it's going to happen very soon. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm hope. That's what I'm hopeful for. That, that just because of these recent market moves, that something's going to that that it's actually finally going to 
open up a little bit. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yep. All right. Well, you have been Nick Dyka, not on social media, so I will not add a, yeah. <laughs> a Twitter account. Hell no. And I've been Joshua Hosom at Joshua Hosom. This has been Artificial Turf Wars episode 288. And uh, I'll talk to you soon at some point. <laughs> <laughs>